Hey, this is Rich. This is Cass. This is Jacob. This is Luke. Yes, Salut, c'est Jonathan Mercier. Welcome to the Hillsong Creative Micropod. Hello and welcome to the Hillsong Creative Micropod podcast. I'm not sure what it is anymore, but welcome. <laughs> It's so good that you're here. I'm here with Cass Langton. Hi, how are you? And we are um, excited again, yet again. I always think, Cass, that um, I always say today's a really special episode, but I feel like every week we have somebody on that I'm really excited about. And so, and today is no different. Yeah, Rich, no, right? today's no exception. Um, you keep saying that this podcast is where faith and creativity intersect yeah and i feel like our um our special guest today is william adosi who is mm. a good friend of ours you might know him from um Worshipin creative conference back in 2019 <laughs> okay back in 2019 we're going back in yeah. time a little bit it feels like we just, we'll just cut out 2020 and just go the last time right. we had worship conference well he came to worship conference and he actually shared he is the ceo and head designer at vitae watchers in london mm-hmm. um But since he was here for worship conference, actually his world has opened up. Mm. He has done a whole lot of stuff with Forbes and CNN and TEDx and all mm. sorts of places. He is an incredibly creative entrepreneur. Yeah. And so in whatever sphere he finds himself in, he just can't help but create and start things. Mm. So his watches are incredibly beautiful, but they have um, a story behind them where they actually help fund a lot of justice endeavors mm. in Africa and in other places. Mm. Um, he has since gone on to become an incredible um, musician musician and all sorts of things around him there is just a hive of creativity and innovation and yeah. so i think he is going to inspire you greatly today mm, mm, yeah so these last few weeks we've had i guess a, a bit of a focus on innovation I love and that. i guess as we start 2021 part of the impetus part of the idea with that was to encourage you guys as listeners to maybe look at what's in your hand you know we talked about re- resolutions a few weeks yeah, right. back um, what have you resolved to do what have you what have you discovered god's put in your hand or in your heart And maybe through listening these last few weeks, what is he what is he encouraging you to step out and innovate in? Right. Um, and so today I think you're going to find that innovation to be a, yet again something that, that is really encouraging and, um, and inspiring. And so hopefully it stirs new thoughts in you, new ideas yeah. in you and courage to actually go again in 2021 to yeah. make something incredible out of your life. Exactly. So let's jump into it and we will talk to you soon. I hope it's encouraging. We love you guys. Will, great to have you here. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking quite a bit these last few weeks about your work and about mm. your story, uh, which I'm really excited to unpack this next little while. Sure. Uh, you are from our church in London, Hillsong mm. Church, and you're a native Londoner, but that's mm. not your family story. Tell mm. us a bit about that. Yeah, so my parents actually moved to London a couple of years before I was born. Um, both of my parents are from Ghana in West Africa. Um, and my dad was actually the first in my family to learn to read and write. Um, so yeah, so that broke a cycle of poverty that was plaguing my family for generations. Um, and then, yeah, they moved to London a couple of years before I was born. And we grew up in what would be described as like, if we were in America, it would be the projects. We grew up in like a really, really rough, um, rough neighborhood. And I'm actually first born of seven children. Seven? Yeah, seven. Man, your parents needed a TV or something. <laughs> literally yeah i guess yeah that's one of the things that happens where you don't have much to do so yeah i'm first of seven kids so there was one point when there was like all nine of us or the seven of us plus my parents in like a two-bed rodent infested flat 
um, up into the age of when I was 13. Um, so sometimes you'd see food and it was half eaten. You don't know if your brother ate it or if it was the mice. So um, oh my goodness, yeah, it was a it was a crazy crazy upbringing. But I loved it. Like I didn't know anything else different. Uh-huh. Um, and even in the midst of that, and in spite of that, my dad still had a real wealth mindset. He didn't have right. a a victim mentality. He always pushed us for for higher heights. So, well, yeah. for your parents to make that move. Mm. from Ghana to the UK mm. knowing they were going to be starting a family mm. that would have been a really brave move for mm. them mm. so how did your family talk about the trip that they made do you talk about it and go man you you guys were so brave so courageous or is it just part of the story that you don't even really pay attention to it's weird because sometimes I think they they felt like it was their only hope uh-huh. like in Ghana there weren't the opportunities that were potentially in the UK uh-huh. um, and they just wanted to build a better foundation for us and the beauty of the UK is just the infrastructure uh-huh. and the the jobs are out there, the education, the ability to freely travel and roam around the world once yep. you have a British passport as well. Um, so I think that's what their mindset was focused on, yep. um, building a better tomorrow for us in spite of them maybe having to go backwards. Like yep. my mum moved over first a year before my dad. She, worked, she literally worked cleaning jobs yep. to be able to pay for my dad's ticket to come over. Um, so they just, yeah, they started from the bottom, but just worked really hard for us. And so growing up in that environment, you already said your dad had a real wealth mindset. Not a, we wouldn't say that's about money so much as his approach to, you know, the life that he could build for your family. For sure, for sure. You grew up in South London, mm. go through the system, go through school, all those things. Mm. At what point do you start to realize there's something different about you? You start to pick up this kind of entrepreneurial creative gift. Mm. When does that kind of spark for you? Yeah, um, it was strange. So when I was 11, I actually got admitted to a prestigious school, um, like in the middle of nowhere. I left London. How? My parents like pushed hard on me. So I got a scholarship. They uh-huh. put me through tutoring. So I got this scholarship. And all of a sudden I was in this environment with all these wealthy kids. Like when I'm talking wealth, I'm talking money. Um, You're talking money. Money. Um, it was weird because they would talk about their trips abroad that weekend and up until the age of 15, I'd never left the country. Right. So I was just, I was so alien to it all. Right. Um, but I think, I don't know, I think I always had a chip on my shoulder from then to like kind of wanting to prove myself, uh-huh. um, to show that in spite of where I've come from, I can still make something of myself. Uh-huh. Um, and I started my first business actually when I was 19, um, which was a sports academy. So I saw all my mates around me had had like, um, football association badges in coaching and in, in, in different things but they weren't doing anything with it right so I thought okay there's an opportunity here so I right. started hiring my friends we put adverts on this platform called Gumtree and I was this 19 year old kid interviewing people like I knew what I was talking about um, and then we just got on the phones and called loads of primary schools and then sold those coaches services into those schools you were 19 um, started doing this 19 yeah um, and then we'd make commission from every single coach we sent in. Um, and it worked a treat for a while. Like we turned over over a hundred grand within like a year and a half. But like within our business model, we realized that schools could apply for the government for free funding for this. Yep. So it was a no brainer, everyone won. Yep. But then the government pulled that funding and our whole business didn't make sense anymore. Right. Um, so yeah, I had to park that to the side and work a job for a bit. Before so this is came. happening. You finished school, you mm. started this business. Mm. Um, tell me about your your walk with God 
and mm. your relationship with God and church like during that time kind of yeah. as you're out of school stepping into this space yeah so my dad's actually a pastor uh-huh um so he runs like eight churches globally a couple in America Ghana most in the UK as well um and so like my whole life I'd I'd always had some sort of relationship with God right um I think in my latter teen years is when I kind of knew God for myself but yeah, it was tough. Like being a pastor's kid, there's often like most parents like have a harder, they have, they're more harsh on me than they were on their own children. Uh-huh. Um, and you're always under scrutiny. So I think I kind of sh- shunned away from church for a short season. But uh-huh. yeah, when I came back, I was all in. So like through it all, I just, I've always just seen God handle me, especially in the world of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Like I feel that's when I'm closest to God. If I'm in, music entrepreneurship i just feel that connection and uh-huh. just just feel him coming through and doing his thing so well yeah we would say that you're in your grace zone in your 100%. sweet spot like you're doing what he made you 100%. to do so you are kind of coming up through there you're discovering yourself as a creative mm. kind of emerging in different spaces mm. you start taking photos mm. shooting mm. um where does that come from you know where that actually came from so i uh. started shooting in my teen years but then i got married uh five years ago uh-huh. and then when i saw my wedding pictures i was like they were right but i could have easily done this <laughs> like, i could have done better so so what i did was uh the year after it was crazy i put up a facebook um advert i said tag your friend tag people who are getting married next year we're going to give a wedding away wedding photography away for free right so then i shot the first wedding for free and then the other 60 people that entered into that competition yeah i emailed them the pictures from the first wedding and said hey you can get 50 percent off sorry you didn't win but you can get a discount yeah, yeah, yeah. and here's some of our work yeah so like our first ever year of wedding photography we had like 20 bookings and just yeah loving life so that's how that all came to being really and so how long did you keep that guy running for um so it's still running yeah. to this day so we've hired like i've got some like younger people i've trained up yeah um and i'll often go and, and shoot some weddings if it's like high profile but yeah that's still running that's been running since i got married so yeah five years you gave a lot of attention to that for a while, mm. um, but then some other stuff started coming up for you that you felt kind of called and led towards. Mm. Tell mm. us a bit about that next kind of stage for you. Yeah, so um, so yeah, Vitae Photography started before Vitae London. Uh-huh. And then while I was doing the photography, I was still working in the city. Uh-huh. I work in a full-time job. And then it got to a point where I realized that one, the photography could help sustain me anyway. Yeah. And I had the idea for the watches. So yeah, like with Vitae, I say that it was it was birthed out of frustration. Frustration on two parts. One, working this job I wasn't passionate about, knowing I wanted to be in the creative field. And the second frustration was looking back at my dad's story and seeing that there's so many children across the continent of Africa that are missing out on, like they've got so much untapped potential because of such basic things like school uniform. So yeah, just seeing that frustration and kind of pairing my two passions Vitae was birthed out of that. So yeah, Vitae's Latin for life. And with Vitae London Watches, our whole match is to be the fashion brand changing lives. So now whenever we sell a watch, we help support a child for education on the continent. Okay, so let's break this down a bit because this mm. is the part that I find really fascinating. Mm. Why watches? I've always loved them. Right. Like, And again, I think back to this whole chip on my shoulder thing. Uh-huh. I'd never seen a black person run a watch company. Uh-huh. I'd never seen a a young black person run a watch company so again that was another thing i thought to myself let me show that i can do this too let me show that this is a field we can 
we can dominate in as well. So I think that kind of pushed me to want to do it even more. So what did you do? Did you just find a manufacturer? Did you? So at one point I had 30 different manufacturers on WhatsApp. Uh And what I would do is one manufacturer would give me a quote. I would screenshot it and send it to the other manufacturer, get the price down. And then I do the same with minimum order quantity. Times 30. Literally, I just keep doing it, keep doing it. So then it got to a point where my wife and I had saved up some money for, towards a house deposit we wanted to put down. Right. So I somehow convinced her to allow me to quit my well-paid job and invest that house deposit money into an industry I literally knew nothing about. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I, I have a picture of how that conversation goes in my head and it's not as simple as, hey, honey, guess what I think we should uh, do? It was, it was over a season because I uh-huh. think because when she met me, I was running the sports academy. So uh-huh. she knew I was an entrepreneur. She knew right. that's what I was made to do. Yeah. So I guess in that season, I think she just saw I was just down for so long and I just wanted to do something else. Yeah, you weren't so, energized by what yeah, you were doing. Yeah, I just wasn't energized at all. So when I presented this to her, because prior to this, she'd actually gone on mission trip to South Africa. Okay. And she'd actually visited the charity before we'd worked with them. Which charity is it? It's called House of Wells. Uh-huh. So... They reach out to like the most disadvantaged and orphan children in in villages across um, southern Africa and now in other parts as well. So because she, she had been there even before me, she was super passionate about the work anyway. So it made it a little bit easier to convince her. And I just told her that, look, at the end of the day, worst case scenario, I'll get another job in the future and I'll build this money back up. Uh-huh. But best case scenario, we can impact thousands of lives. You felt um, the pull towards doing something that connected your gifting to purpose, hey? 100%. Right. I couldn't wake up every day and just work for money. Right. I just couldn't do it. I knew I had to work for a deeper purpose because it would just give it gives me a much deeper drive day to day. Like money alone just, for me, it doesn't do it. I obviously love to build up wealth. I want to be more wealthy, but that alone just doesn't do it for me. There has to be something deeper. Right, and especially your connection to... Africa, yep. especially with your wife going and visiting yep. like House of Wells and doing yep. these things. Yep. So you, by this point, have really got in your heart to do something. Mm. You already tell us you've got this WhatsApp chat going with all these watch <laughs> manufacturers, which I love. Literally, literally. And so you're ready. You're ready yep. to put in a minimum order and mm. then kind of tell us what happens from there. So yeah, we put in the minimum order and then before that, I got some samples and then I'd been building like a mailing list. Yep. So the first day when we launched, we got like just short of 20 orders in. And then that just told me, even though we hadn't put any money behind it, that like this actually has potential. Twenty, uh-huh. like almost twenty people, have spent their hard-earned money on our business, and yeah. we're nothing yet. Right. So it just made me think, okay, cool, this this could go. Somewhere. Twenty orders. Yeah, it's like you would have been jumping around the living room. I was, and it's funny because I was actually in South Africa at the time visiting uh-huh. the charity, and then all these orders come through, and I'm like, wow, we're actually we've actually done something here. Like, were this, you surprised? This, I'm sure you weren't shocked, but were you like, oh my gosh. I was gosh. pleasantly surprised. I think whenever a, a plan comes into fruition, it's like, wow, this like crazy idea in my head actually worked. So yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful feeling for sure. For Let's sure. pause here. I think a lot of people have got an idea mm. and they, they want to do something with mm. it, but either the idea of taking a house deposit is terrifying yeah. or like they just don't know where to start or mm. any of those things. Mm. Talk to those people for a second. Mm. What will you say to those people who have something in their heart they want to do, but they just don't know what that next step is? What would your encouragement to them be? This is why I always say whenever I give a talk as well is that I feel like so many people are intimidated by the scale of their dreams that they end up doing nothing at all. 
and that's just the worst place you could be at and i just i see i see our dreams and our visions like mountains that stand before us yeah and if you can just take one step every single day like do something small like it may seem insignificant but it could be collecting some data and putting some surveys out there if you can just do one small thing take one step every single day like you'll look back after a year and realize that you've climbed that massive mountain that looked unsurmountable so to me it's just about starting small not despising the small and just sowing a small seed every single day because the fruit the fruit will come for sure i love that thank you um so you get these 20 orders mm. talk to me how long is it from you having the idea to do the watches mm. and the time you're in south africa getting these orders come in is that so eight weeks is it eight months within a year so i first had the idea in january 2015 and uh-huh. we launched in january 2016 uh-huh. but the idea for watches was actually not till june 2015 so vitae london was initially going to be a clothing brand okay i built the website done all the designs ready to launch about to press the button then i thought to myself everyone does clothing like it just it didn't excite me right and i thought if it's not exciting me how on earth will i be able to convey a message that excites others right so that's when i started like really researching into watches because i'd always loved them but it just seemed impossible it seemed like a market i couldn't enter so that's what made me want to do it all the more so as i said i just started hounding all these different factories i got some absolutely dreadful samples come over but then i got some good ones and then once I was happy with the samples, we just started to go from there. I think that's part of the deal, right? 100%. So when those bad samples come in, mm. you feel discouraged? or you, I just you, laughed. I was right. just like... It didn't weigh you down? You didn't go, oh man, this didn't work? It was a bit annoying, but I was just like, all right, that's not the factory for me. They didn't understand my vision. And also, like, I'd, a part of me didn't really know what I was doing. So right. like some of the dimensions, I, I just saw it as a learning curve. Okay, cool that sizing just doesn't work. It enabled me to adjust and refine and better what we then brought to the market. So it's a part of the journey, it's a part of the process. And more importantly, that disappointment or frustration never got inside you. It didn't slow you down, give you any baggage. I didn't allow it to. I just just don't really see that as those things as failures. And even with failures, I just think you learn so much more from a failure. Like I learned so much more from a bad watch than if, all the samples are great right because because i understood actually no these dimensions don't work actually the ratios would work better like this so yeah you learn so much more from that yeah and so those first orders come through you realize this is going to be a thing mm. and you go there's something here that's mm. worth pursuing you, you already know where the proceeds are going to go to mm. you're starting to connect those dots mm. talk to me about how you started to scale it how you started to get it from 20 orders up Mm, i guess the first thing i did is i just looked around me i just looked at what was in my hand i looked at the people in my network and i like i knew a few influential people just growing up in london right so my next plan was get my watches on the wrist of as many people as possible right so i started yeah reaching out and one of the i guess one of the key kind of points for us was when we got our watches on richard branson so that was like six seven months into the business no yeah it was so for real yeah literally. i thought it was so much longer no it was so early into the business out of ten thousand entrepreneurs they chose two to be um, individually mentored by him Uh and interview him in front of a live audience so in front of this live audience i just whacked this watch out i was like oh i brought you a gift 
I hand the watch over to him and he's like, you should never give away your best assets. So then he gives me like a word of cash and then takes off his watch and gives it to me. And I'm just like, what has just happened? But that's just been a catalyst for so much because now when we approach other celebrities and influencers, we're like, yeah, we're backed by Richard Branson. Well, yeah, in a lot of ways, it sounds trite, but it kind of put you on the map. Yeah, as far as credibility. The, yeah, sure. and so people started to recognize what you were doing. For sure, um, for sure. And from that point on, it really started to take off, hey? 100%, 100%. And I'll definitely say this year in particular has been a real breakthrough year for us. Because uh-huh. in spite of all the traction we built we turned over so i initially only invested seven thousand pounds to begin with right and when we turned that into a couple hundred thousand and then we went to then apply for investment yeah and we were just getting loads of doors shut on us like weren't able to raise and then this year we tried again and and no one in the uk wanted to invest so we went to america yeah and out of i think it was two thousand people that applied 24 people were selected to receive this investment from a firm called Backstage Capital. Uh-huh. Thankfully, we were one of the 24. And then following on from that, I allowed the general public to be able to invest. So I went on a platform called Cedars. Yeah. And then we had Saw over that. 600 people invest, which yeah. was amazing as well. So this year has been a, like, a really phenomenal breakthrough year for us to scale things up and take it to the next level for sure yeah that's cool mm. before we move on i want to backtrack just a little bit mm. and i know the branson thing is easy to kind of latch on to mm. talk to me about while you came up the importance and the power of having mentors mm. kind of guiding you on the way helping you up people who are further down the road than you who you look to it's strange because i get i always get asked this and i always give an answer which is which isn't the norm huh. so i I don't personally subscribe to mentorship in the standard way that everyone does okay in like in the sit down with a certain person for a certain amount of hours i just feel like in this day and age i can be mentored by the by anyone 100 percent because of a podcast like i can be mentored via a podcast via a book via youtube so that's what i did like i religiously went after the people i loved and adored and read their books listened to their podcasts and i think that's what enabled me to have the correct mindsets to spot the opportunities, yep. spot the gaps, as opposed to begging someone for a certain amount of hours a month, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Mm. I 100% agree. Mm. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot, but who are some of those people for you while you were scaling, building the business? Mm. If you can think of four or five people who yeah. you've studied, read, listened to, watched, mm. like who are they? Mine are a bit, yeah, a bit weird because like I've loved watching rappers like and seeing their growth. Yep. because often they come from a similar background to myself and seeing their ability to scale and their ability to align themselves with particular people to grow their businesses right. in essence it's been amazing so like people that really stand out to me are like p diddy i think what he's done built and done is phenomenal I'm really in love with a guy called kendrick lamar as well jay-z <laughs> yeah which like guys that i just think have just They've built empires beyond just their core gifting and talent. Right. And then obviously Richard Branson. And then I definitely say my dad is a very, very big source right. of inspiration. Yeah. Just seeing where he's come from and what he's been able to build and his ability to draw a crowd and and just yeah, lead so effectively. Right. It's definitely been And one. so most of your business skills outside of YouTube and mm. stuff like that, most of your training is self taught, right? As far yeah. as your the way you build it have you had people who are like that'll never work you need to do it this way you need to go to business school you need to do it however else yeah so 
so my parents are African, which means that I could not not get a degree. Correct. I still, so while I was working in the city, I still got a degree part-time. Right. So I, yeah, I got my bachelor's in business management. So yeah, I learned a lot from that. And yeah, I guess I think the YouTube, the books, I think that's enough. I learn by doing more than anything, like practically going out there, making a mistake and realize, okay, that was a stupid way to do it. Right. Try and do it this way. Yeah. And yeah, that's how I learn. I learn by like trialing and like if I have an idea today about something, often I'll tweet it and I'll see how the general public responds to it. And then that, that could help inform a decision as well. So yeah, I just like to go to market as quick as possible, get feedback, iterate, improve, iterate, improve, and just keep scaling like that. Right. And so you guys have just released the new season yep, yep. with the watches. Yeah. What has been the driving force behind that? How do you, I mean, it's the same thing every time. Mm. It's a piece of metal that mm. sits on your wrist yep. and yep. tells the time for mm. you. How do you keep that creative drive going and how do you keep that fresh each series? So I guess, I think this is the first season I've been able to be like really creative and t- because we've had the money to do it. Right. And our whole, our new strap line as a business is live without limits. Uh-huh. So Vitae being lighting for life, there's a connection there. But our whole thing is that we want to inspire the children we support to live without limits and go beyond the limits that were given to them. We also want, like we've seen from our, the demographics of people that buy our products is that we coined them the aspirational millennial. So it's people that want to live beyond the limits of the life they live now. And then with the product, we wanted to create a watch without limits. Um, so with these watches, they're actually fully modular, fully interchangeable. So What do you mean by that? Explain that. So in essence, you can remove the rim, the bezel, yep. and you can change the strap. Right. So one day your watch could be silver, the next day it could be rose gold, depending on what what jewelry you're wearing and how you yeah. want that to look so if everyone who's listening and can't see us mm. you're talking about like customizing yep. the watches that you get yep. so it can have a different look and a different approach Completely. every day hey every single day you could have a totally different vibe to it so yeah i just wanted to keep going along that path about without limits so why mm. not create a watch without limits as well so yeah we launched that f- a few weeks ago on a platform called kickstarter yeah which meant people could pre-order and yeah within five days we smashed through our target on there which was really really cool it's more than cool dude it was unbelievable <laughs> i'm watching it and i was watching every day and i was like oh wow this is this is gonna happen fast yeah, i was there like maybe day two like middle of day two i was like oh, i should do you, something but then like i'm watching after that i'm like this is gonna yes. like do you yeah. look at that and go i need bigger dreams or i need to set bigger targets or um, do you feel like you're in your sweet spot and, and you need to kind of keep yeah, growing at this it was, pace it was part of the game plan like I was fairly confident we were going to hit the target quite quickly. Uh-huh. And if I'm honest, I was a bit disappointed. I felt like we could have done it even faster. Right. Like, I, yeah, I always set wild dreams in my head. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely part of the game plan. And it's, yeah, it's given us the... Because you always have a great idea, but then you don't know if that will translate to the general public. Uh-huh. So it's amazing to see that traction to prove that and validate that as well. Yeah. Yeah, so it was great. Okay, so we're already here. Let's talk about this. I wanted to save this till the end, but I feel mm. we're talking about it now. As an entrepreneur, and I would say a visionary in a lot of areas, what you see in your head, in your dream, is different to what you see with your natural eyes in reality. Mm. How do you build that bridge from what you see down the line to what's mm. actually in front of you? Because a mm. lot of people never, you know, can't get there or they, mm. can, they can't even articulate it. How do you commit it to paper? I think it it links back to what I was saying earlier about the iteration. Uh Often I'll create what I was trying to create in my head and it will come into fruition. 
and it's not quite what it was in my mind right but then because i've actually started and done something it's given me a foundation to build upon yeah whereas a lot of people would just not do anything because they're like oh it's too hard to communicate this is too hard to create but if you can at least get a very basic version it's called a minimum um, viable product if you can get that very basic version then with time you can build upon it you can improve it you can make tweaks until it looks a lot more it looks a lot more like what was in your head but then often even with that with the iteration once you put it out to the general public they're going to bring suggestions that you didn't even think of right so collaboratively you create something even better than what yeah. was in your mind in the first place yeah and so with that in mind what do you think is next for vite we're, we're thinking crazy expansion we want give me a little something so i guess the thing is i don't like to say what we're doing next because i think it can often stop people from buying what we've got out now if that oh yeah and everyone, everyone listening still buy <laughs> what's out now but just get excited for what's next as well <laughs> but yeah so we're working we're in talks and we're working on a hybrid watch so a watch that looks like our watches but has smart functionality uh-huh. so that'll definitely be coming out next year we're also in talks with a guy called idris sandu who worked with he's worked with like uber google he worked with Nipsey Hustle before he passed as well and built Nipsey Hustle store. Um, so I met him in LA a couple of weeks ago and yeah, Wynn talks about doing some like yeah, crazy things with watches as well. And then we're looking into other niches, so other jewelry, and then yeah, we'll see where we go from there for sure. I love that. It's clear you're driven by the future. Mm. How do you stay engaged in the present? Oh, it's a struggle. It is right. a struggle. <laughs> because yeah, like because I did this thing called Clifton Strength Finder. Right. And my number one thing is futuristic. That's right. my that's, that's the number one thing that fuels me and excites me and energizes me. But I think the fact that I know that enables me to put systems in place to ensure that I've got a team around that are working on, around me that are working on the now and that ensuring that like all the details of today are not missed. So it's about having the people around that because I think I'm more of a leader than a manager. So then I bring the managers in to make sure the day-to-day is slick and run really well while I carry on dreaming and building towards what's going to come. Right. I love what you're building. Like I, you. I see what you guys are doing, even from over here on the other side of the world. I see yeah. where you're taking it. I feel like it has a real mission or purpose. Thank you. Like I feel like it's more than just a business. I think it actually is carrying the kingdom of God mm-hmm. into places where it wouldn't get by supporting those who need it the most. As far as that side of things, do you look at your business and go like, this is this is mission like this mm. is kingdom mm. or do you go that's just something separate like how does that how no. do those things merge together for no, you for me it's it's fully kingdom it's funny because I, I forgot to mention i was actually on staff in church for like seven months right and i think being a pastor's son my whole life i was thinking is that what i was called to do right. is that what i was meant to do so i was grappling between business and and ministry for so long yeah and then an opportunity came in church they approached me to become um, one of the student pastors in church yeah so i did that for a season but i think i learned in that season that i was called to the marketplace right but to still bring that ministry to still bring god to that marketplace right um so i feel like and what i love is that i've seen other businesses since we've launched kind of copy elements of us Uh and copy elements of our model 
but I absolutely love that because right. I want to be able to come in and, and affect the industry and make the industry think twice about right. what they're doing with their profits, yeah. how they could make a difference and make an impact. So, yeah, I love that I can take the kingdom to the marketplace. And so a lot of people aren't able to make bridge that divide. There's the gap between the secular and the sacred. Mm. And they kind of go, well, you're either in here or you're in here and like they're two separate things. Mm. I feel like that's a really natural thing for you to kind of work with right has mm. it always been that way was it always just you going no that's not either or it's both mm, i guess i guess it is something i've i've grappled with in the past but now i just realized that i guess it depends who you are and what you're called to do uh-huh. i think i'm definitely called to the marketplace uh-huh. and because i'm a christian because i follow jesus that's going to bleed out in my work no matter where i am amen so it's always gonna it's always gonna have a kingdom focus a god focus whatever i'm doing so i i don't really see it as secular and sacred i just see it as i just see it as a child of god in a in in the darkness in the places where god is actually needed to shine god needs to shine the most so yeah i i love it i love it I think you occupy a really cool space mm. that a lot of people can learn from mm. uh, on their way through trying to find their place. Mm. Really excited about the new season that's come out. Thank I feel you, like you guys are doing incredible work. Uh, for everyone listening, like we'll make sure in the show notes you can find links to everything Will's done, for everything sure. Will's doing. We love seeing you get recognized, Young Entrepreneur of the Year 2019. Thank you. Thank like all these things are exciting. They're just mm. benchmarks that you are mm. exactly on the right track. Mm. We're really grateful you'd spend time with us here today. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope that it, hope that it's really useful to you. If the podcast is useful and helpful to you, if you're enjoying it, then I'd love to invite you to share it on social media or maybe to text it, you know, share a link with a friend. Uh, if you tag Hillsong Creative at Hillsong Creative, uh, maybe we'll repost you. I don't know. <laughs> and if, you, uh, if you're not yet subscribed, let me just take this opportunity to Uh, invite you to do that as well you'll get notified of new episodes whenever they're released also if you haven't heard we've launched a brand new podcast called the praying through the bible with hillsong creative it's designed to help you get more out of the word of god in your daily life so i'd encourage you to search hillsong creative or praying through the bible subscribe to that one too and of course obviously rate it and let us know how you're enjoying that one too well thanks again for being part of us and with us on the journey and we'll talk to you next time